the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. This is going to be a fun show today that we're calling Serving Rural Communities. What I've learned in prepping for this show is about 60 million people, or nearly one in five of Americans, live in a rural community. And what's interesting is the rural landscape of our nation takes up about 97% of the land area. It's considered rural. Now, this is, although it's one in five, although it takes up a lot of space, the rural community is somewhat new to me. I went uh, to college downtown in a major city. I've always lived it in just right out on the outskirts of Chicago. I've pastored right outside of Boston and Columbus, Ohio, and in the Chicago suburbs. And I'm sort of familiar with a city. So this idea of reaching a rural area has always seemed sort of one step removed. I would visit those areas. In fact, I would remember driving when I was a teenager, we would go to camp and I felt like there was just nothing around us as we drove toward a campground for hours and hours. And I can remember one time I was leading worship for a teen camp and I had a, one of our young kids with us. And again, we we are from an urbanish uh, area living over, you know, by flight patterns, things of that nature. And I'll never forget that we were in the middle of a camp and leading worship. It's late at night. My family was walking outside. One of my young children looks up in the sky, littered with stars, and says, wow, dad, look at all the airplanes. And I thought it was just such a funny thought, but this was our our context. But I visited small towns when I would drive to southern Indiana as a child. My family would visit. I can remember in probably central Indiana, I have an uncle and an aunt that lived uh, about a mile off the road, maybe a little more than that. And there's this long mile, mile and a half gravel road that my dad did not want to get rocks that would ding up the paint job on the car. So he would drive about two miles an hour for a mile, mile and a half down that road. It just took forever. And what's interesting is that that same family that were my aunt and uncle, now they're uh, their grandchildren live there. They have pet donkeys and goats, and it's just it's just it's out in the country. And I've learned very little about the rural area, but as I got into my pastoral ministry time, 
we would take missions trips and we'd go to the inner city, we'd go out of the country, but we started visiting rural churches. And I was fascinated at at the quality of leaders that were serving in rural communities, that there really are great churches in rural America and, and really great leaders that God has called to serve. I, I mean, I was, I've been super impressed by many pastors and leaders in churches that, that live in rural areas. I'm just so encouraged. And now today have many, many friends all across rural America. What I learned is it doesn't matter if you are in or around a city or you're in the country. Here's the truth. People need Jesus. So today we're talking about serving rural communities, and I'm thankful for denominations and fellowships that work together, and they think about reaching our entire globe. They, they think about serving people internationally, serving people in urban centers, but we're part of a tribe that serves rural communities because it's so important. I mean, 20% of America needs to hear the gospel. These are the ones that live in rural communities. So I'm very intrigued and, and really growing in passion for those that live in rural areas. And so I, I find myself sort of at the beginning stages of being a student of rural ministry. So I have several friends that serve in these areas. But today I have some friends that are newer to me. I have known them for several months now. There's a husband and wife team, uh, Jim and Tina Von Wald, and they're with me today. They're experienced leaders, fabulous leaders, and they serve in a ministry, but they help others outside of their church, and they, they coach others to serve rural America. And so, I, first of all, I just want to say, uh, Jim and Tina, thank you for being on Your Discipleship Coach today. It's such an honor to have you with me. Michael, it's great to be here, and thanks for having us on your uh, on your show here, your podcast. It is uh, our heart definitely has a passion for rural, and we just appreciate the opportunity to, to uh, network a little bit more about what uh, rural ministry means. Yeah, that's so great. Thank you, Jim, for sharing that. And maybe uh, both of you, Tina, you, Jim, can just share just a highlight about who you are and, and what ministry looks like for you today. Sure. Well, you know, my background, I, I actually is I grew up in a wilderness area in northern Minnesota, about 20 miles south of Canada and 40 miles west of Lake Superior, which uh, is definitely was a rural area. And so, uh, uh, you know, there's different people that term it. I come from the tribe of rural. And so uh, uh, it was uh, on the Iron Range in Minnesota, which was a hockey hotbed. So that pushed me into uh, a little bit into playing some college hockey and uh, you know, some of my background is a, a social worker and probation and parole officer before entering into vocational ministry. And, uh, you know, that uh, has been essential and critical in uh, in our work in planting a church in that most rural communities have a, uh, have a heartbeat of sports of some type. Hmm. And uh, that's uh, led me to uh, be able to coach and uh, continue to stay connected in the community that way. That's so great. What about you, Tina? Tell us a little bit about your background as well. In the Twin Cities, I'm not a, a rural kid by growing up. I've slowly learned to become a lover of the rural community as we've moved out further and further and further as we've been married. But I graduated from Bethel University with a degree in secondary ed. I worked for the Department of Human Services. And then when we 
started our second time back in ministry, I became a licensed pastor and ordained and recently completed my MA in theology and role ministry at Trinity and have had the opportunity to help with global university as they are developing a rural pastoral associates degree um, that they're hoping to launch here in the real near future. So, and I'm also working on my life coaching uh, certification. So, so yeah. great. And as the people are listening in, as we prepare to talk about serving rural communities, I want us all to hear that the integration that, that both Tim and or Jim and, and Tina have in the community being in sports, having some education, being called into ministry. And I know that you serve in your local church, both of you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you also work with other pastors and church leaders that serve rural communities? Jenny, you want to take that or you want me to? So our district here in Minnesota, we're a part of the Assemblies of God, um, fellowship and our district here has allowed us to travel around the state of Minnesota twice a year in the fall and then again in the spring and just share with our rural pastors throughout our state um, different things that we've learned, different experiences. We've talked about um, relationships, we've talked about leadership development, we're going to be talking about volunteering, Come, you know, raising up volunteers. We've just done a whole plethora of different topics, and it has been a privilege and a really great way for us to connect and help um, uh, help build up and encourage rural pastors in the state of Minnesota. That's so great. What? How many pastors and church leaders are you working with twice a year when you do these tours? So the in, here in Minnesota, in our district, they call them uh, rural cadres. Hmm. And there are seven of those cadres. There's a metropolitan cadre that they've actually also pulled us into and uh, to do some uh, training of uh, some of the pastors of in a single structure or single staff church. But there's seven cadres. And and each of those cadres represents approximately 20 churches or 20 pastors. So uh, at different times, uh, the uh, the attendance in the cadre will fluctuate anywhere from uh, 10 to 20 pastors. And sometimes there'll be additional staff there. But, uh, you know, all in all, here in Minnesota, our demographics of the churches is split almost exactly 50-50. Uh, there's uh, approximately 250 churches in the state with 125 of them in rural areas. So we have a really unique uh, split of uh, urban, suburban, and, and rural uh, churches and pastors. And so that, that it's just been a great opportunity uh, to use our, uh, our graduate degrees in rural ministry to undergird some of the pastors that are maybe looking for ideas or implementation, uh, or sometimes it's just hearing something from a different perspective that's needed too. So, That's fascinating. First, I just want to say thank you for partnering not only with the Lord and your call to your local church, but with so many others. It's a fascinating statistic that 50% of the churches are in rural America when you're in Minnesota. It's a beautiful place. Hey, you're listening now to Your Discipleship Coach, and we're talking about serving rural communities. I have guests with me today, Jim and Tina Von Wald, and we're about to take a little break here. 
But we're going to come back and talk a little deeper with Jim and Tina and explore some of the secret sauce of what it is to work with rural communities and rural pastors. We're going to discuss strategies. We're going to discuss concepts. And Jim and Tina, you're going to speak into our lives. So to my listeners today, I want to say stay tuned. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And you're listening on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And we're back. Thank you for staying tuned. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And I'm your host, Michael Smith, here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. We're continuing our conversation today on serving rural communities, and I'm here with Jim and Tina Von Wald, and uh, excellent leaders and servants for the kingdom of God. And, you know, Jim and Tina, as we were talking the other day, you mentioned some thoughts uh, with me that you sort of keep top of mind when you're ministering to rural communities. And I'd love for you just to begin to share a little bit about that today, if you could take a moment and share that with us. Um, we've talked about, you know, one of the real important things when you go into a community is knowing the culture and the context of that community. And there's different kinds of relationships in every community, but in a rural community, there's a multiplex relationship. And what that means is you have relationships in many different roles. So, for example, if I'm a pastor of a church in my rural community, I may also be a chamber member, a coach, a substitute teacher, a bus driver, whatever other roles I might be serving in because I'm using those roles as opportunities to get to know people, to build relationships, to begin to form um, an acceptance of this church and who I am as a person, whereas in a larger community, an urban setting, it's the relationships are more in a simplex kind of setting. So, for example, you know me as your pastor, and that would be the only role that I see you in. So, as a rural pastor, I have a lot of different hats that I wear in a lot of different areas throughout the community. Another piece of knowing the culture and context of uh, uh, community is liturgical language, depending on what the main religion is in the community. For example, the community that we're in in Minnesota is a very cultural or Catholic community. Mm-hmm. And so we have created programs like First Communion, Confirmation, membership requirements, because those are what are expected in the community. And so it's an easy for us to create a first communion. What a great idea. What a great concept. Our Assemblies of God Fellowship doesn't necessarily have that as a tradition, but we have created that in our culture so that it makes more sense to people when they come in. Do you have first communion? We absolutely do. Um, And, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, that is so fascinating when you're explaining this to us because we... We have a multi-focus in rural communities, but you're really describing what it looks like to adapt to the culture in which you serve. Really is a key piece in finding success as a rural church 
is to be able to say, we're here for you and we're going to make it as easy for you to understand and make it so it's not scary to you because it's something that's unfamiliar to you. When we were talking the other day, you had also began to talk about this connection between discipleship and relationships. Can, can one of you maybe unpack that a little more for those who are listening today? Sure. You know, I, I think I, uh, one, one of the things in relationships in the rural community and discipleship is trust and longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here in our community, uh, we are, uh, our, our, our church name is New Life, uh, but all the other, there's four other churches in town, and they're all well over 100 years old, and so then there's wow. us as the baby. But so this idea of trust and for people to trust you in relationships is something that uh, happens as the process, the initiation into discipleship. Uh, there, uh, Richard Fulth uh, would say this, if somebody is following you as a believer, that means in relationship, that means that they're walking towards Christ as they follow you in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just takes time. Uh, I, you know, I share one example. We have a, just a dynamic couple who is in the church, and our son played baseball or grew up playing baseball with uh, their grandson. And I knew them and, and was acquaintance and would sit at ball games and say hi, that sort of thing. Well, there, there came a time, and it was probably about 10 years of relationship building with them, where uh, he uh, asked me, What's different about your church? Because his granddaughter had started attending, had accepted Christ, Mm -hmm. and he just said, her life is different. And so at that point, I I felt uh, inclined to invite him to church. I I hadn't invited him. I said, well, why don't you come and check it out? And and he and his wife came and and checked it out. And in the course of time, they made commitment to Christ. And and they literally, they are just some of the bedrock of of who we are. But uh, that relationship was uh, at least 10 years in in the making. And it was just being available, not not necessarily pushing the church, Mm. but being a friend uh, in the environment that that they were in, and, and that happened to be, you know, on the baseball field. Such so, great advice uh, for us today as we invest our time and availability to, to be friends with people. I hear you talking about prioritizing people over, you know, building your own community. It's such a great thing, but building people is also important. I know you've talked a little bit about, you know, how do you develop leaders, part of maybe the discipleship process, but what does that look like in a rural setting? quote today by Michael Adam Beck, which I just thought was perfect. He co-authored a book called Fresh Expressions of the Rural Church, and he said this, "Um, the most thriving rural shepherds lead from relationships. Mm. Discipleship and leadership development are the most effectively achieved through building relationships. So, so much of our time in a rural setting, which is really in any setting, but particular because we're talking about rural today, is building relationships. What we found when we came to our community was that people didn't understand leadership, didn't realize that they were potentially a leader. Hmm. So we have had to do things throughout our ministry to develop leaders. We would, you know, we have provided team leader meetings where we did leadership training. 
Um, we developed a program called Emerging Leaders where we spent, you know, once a week or twice a month together just developing leadership principles within our own people and people in the community so that as we needed leaders within the church, they were there and we had had the privilege of developing them. So I think, you know, so much of what we find in rural communities is people are are there and they don't realize their potential. Hmm. And so it's our job as shepherds to kind of help foster and help empower people in their leadership development. We've had to do the same thing for life group leaders. When we wanted to start life groups, we were like, well, we don't have any leaders. So we had to develop them by mentoring them within a group and then allowing them to start their own. You're listening today to Your Discipleship Coach. I have guests Jim and Tina Von Wald with us, and you're sharing some powerful insights. Just maybe one last thought today as you're talking about this and relationships and investing in people. Talk a little bit about serving in the local church as we close out today. Sure. There's a, there's a piece of uh, serving that uh, has to be modeled by by pastors in uh, the rural community to both the, the people that they're serving and shepherding, but also to the community. And, and one of the things that Tina and I uh, determined that we would do is, is that uh, there would be uh, the, that we would show what serving looked like. Mm. And so uh, as the church developed, usually as, you know, in a church plant, uh, there's new people that uh, start to come in. And, and one of the things we determined is, is that we would have people sit at our table and we would have lunch with them and we would hear their story uh, and, and then tell our story. And, and that connection then allowed for us to begin to hear what some of their passions and their gifts were and to guide them towards what it looked like to serve in the church. As Tina shared, you know, we're, we're in a very liturgical community, very Catholic. And uh, we, uh, you know, even the, even the Catholics here have this tongue in cheek uh, thing called Catholic guilt. And, (laughs) you know, for uh, it, it's, it's something that serving in the church can be a manipulation of guilt or it can be an open door towards somebody's passion. And, and we just said and felt led that uh, people that are passionate about what it is that they're serving in uh, enjoy doing that and, and, and come to do that with anticipation versus uh, regret or the weight of the guilt of having to do something. And, and it's been something that has been very uh, powerful for us in our church as people serve in areas where it, it fills them with joy. And we know that's the ultimate, you know, that, that we all serve in our area of passion. There, there certainly is uh, times that uh, there's needs, but if we become need driven versus gift and, and passion driven, uh, it just serving becomes this weight uh, that nobody can carry. That's right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And for both of you, so much good content. Thank you for being on the show today. And I'll invite those of you that want to learn more to visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Learn about coaching and complete our free coaching readiness questionnaire. But I want to say thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach. And we'll say thank you to our sponsors, Chicago Indian Church at chicagoindianchurch.com and Professional Coach University. University at professionalcoachuniversity.com. I want to tell you that I am for you and God is for you. 
And if God is for you, who could be against you? Thanks for listening. You're listening on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. We hope you feel encouraged to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Be sure to follow Michael and Your Discipleship Coach on social media. You'll find the links at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. And while you're there, you can click the Give Now button to support this show and to provide scholarships to pastors and Christian leaders to receive coaching. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. That's yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.